welcome to the IMDb Journey podcast, where we break down every movie from the top 250 and give our thoughts, our reviews, and any general discussion along the way. My name is Daniel Henderson, and is this episode 31? And I'm Mr. Jeffrey. And today we'll be breaking down the sci-fi mindbender, The Matrix. Yes, we will. How are you today, Hendo? I'm doing okay. Dean, how are you today? Very well. Yeah? How's work been? Busy. How's holidays been? Not busy. Hmm. No doubt. No doubt. Not really much to talk about. Oh, actually, yeah, went to the zoo. A different zoo this time. Went down to the Werribee Zoo on the weekend. It was uh, good fun. Got to see the gorillas and the lions. All those fun animals. Very nice. They have a very nice uh, safari ride, don't they? Yeah, we got on the bus and drove around in the open range there. Got up close and personal with some rhinos and some giraffes. It was a good time had by all the family. Very good to hear. I've had a bit of a frustrating week, in all honesty. My uh, my car shit itself last oh, week. No. And being the long weekend here in Australia, I struggled to get it into a mechanic, so they ended up having it for a week before I got it back. Yikes. Yeah, it was rough. I reckon. Tell you. How'd you get to work? Yeah, I was, yeah, took the missus car. Yep. And uh, <laughs> she struggled getting to her work, but <laughs> well, that's life. Got to do what you got to do. That's it. So be sure to stick around after the breakdown where we'll find out the results of last week's Pod V Pod Draft. We'll look at our next set of matches in our Best Director Tournament. And in the spirit of our question of the week, we'll be giving our top five films of 1999. So if this is your first time listening to us, we'd love for you to help us out by liking and subscribing to the podcast on whatever format you're listening on. Hopefully spread the word about our podcast to all your friends and family. Let them know we're on all platforms, big and small, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and basically any other place you can think of. And if you really want to help support the show, why don't you head on over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and review. We'd love to hear some of your feedback over there. We actually got some nice feedback this week from Ben Mulverhill, who said, this is by far my favorite podcast around and should be considered one of the top movie podcasts there is. A great concept hosted by two guys with great chemistry. They add a host of information into their movie breakdowns, which is supported by detailed analysis and fresh ideas for games, guests, sections of the podcast. This is the first and only podcast I've become a Patreon of, and it's well worth the money. Thank you very much for that, Ben. Wow, thanks, Ben. That's awesome. And speaking of Patreon, if you want to help support the show a different way, then head on over to our Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash imdbjourney. And for as little as a dollar a month, you'd be helping us out immensely. We've got a ton of different rewards and benefits over there, including our weekly Patreon-only podcast where we break down other movies not on the top 250 list. We've just released our recent Wes Anderson film we're doing, The Darjeeling Limited, as well as our patron-requested review of The Red Pill. Yeah, we've got to give a massive shout-out to our latest uh, Patreon, Chris Beardsall, who has joined the highest tier. And I know we give a lot of shout-outs on the show, but honestly, we're truly blown away by your generosity. Yeah, it's fantastic to see that you enjoy our content so much that you want to go to the top tier and, and help yeah. help shape the podcast the way you'd like. So in saying that, the next movie we're doing after The Matrix is going to be Chris's Choice. And on top of that, he also has uh, the ability to request a movie not on the IMDb Top 250 for us to watch and break down. And we're delighted to say he's chosen Zodiac, which is a very yes. interesting movie. That'll so be a good one. It will be, and that will be coming shortly on the Patreon podcast. That's right, and you'll be hearing Chris's choice for the Top 250 breakdown at the end of the podcast as well. So thank you very much, Chris, once again, and we hope anyone out there who would like to help support us, jump on over there and have a look and see what we've got to offer too. And if you want to interact with us throughout the week too, we're on Twitter at IMDB Journey. I respond to everything sent our way, and it is a great way to keep up to date with us as we regularly tweet what else we've been watching throughout the week. So you too can leave your thoughts there, and we'll read them out on the podcast as well. 
You can also check out our letterbox page at letterbox.com slash IMDB Journey and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash IMDB Journey. Okay, before we get into The Matrix, which I'm pretty sure most people would have seen, just a quick warning that we will be spoiling it from the get-go, so if by chance you haven't actually seen it, you've been warned. That's right, so we're going to take a short break here, give you a couple of promos from some other great podcasts out there, and we'll be back on the other side with The Matrix. Hi, we're the Grave Girls from Grave Girls Podcast. I'm your host, Hawthorne. And I'm Amaryllis. Every week we watch a different horror film, and I find a scary story that goes with it. That will definitely leave you shaking in your boots. And if you aren't wearing boots, my true crime case and murder will scare the pants off you. And then you'll just be naked, and that's just that's just a fun time. So listen to us on SoundCloud and iTunes. And follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Don't forget to check out our website at grave-girls.com. We love you all in case we die. Bye! Have you ever wondered which movie franchise is best and why? Or why Eric Matthews is the most interesting character on Boy Meets World? Or even how a small town in upstate New York became a hotbed for strange and paranormal activity? Then tune in to a podcast about something as I dig into these subjects and more every Monday with help from a special guest. And stay tuned for a podcast about football where every week of the NFL season we round up the previous week's action and make can't-miss picks against the spread for the following week. After you listen, give us a rating and review, and for more great content, visit our website, apodcastaboutsomething.com, and follow us on Twitter, at APA something. Have you ever had a dream, Neo, that you were so sure was real? What if you were unable to wake from that dream? How would you know the difference between the dream world and the real world? What is happening to me? The answer is out there, Neo. It's the question that drives us. What is the Matrix? So, The Matrix, released in 1999, starring Keanu Reeves, Lawrence Fishburne, Carrie Ann Moss, and Hugo Weaving, directed by the Wachowskis. Yeah, and this this was a monumental film when it was released. I remember, I think I was in grade six when it came out. Everybody was talking about it. Oh, yeah. It was everywhere, all over the TV. Like, every cinema had ads for it going all the time. You would- What is The Matrix? Exactly. That's what it was. That is just- Just a simple question. Everyone wants to know. What is The Matrix? Yep. And it's just such an effective marketing strategy to have that. It was huge. Yeah. So huge, in fact, that it actually won four Oscars. I was going to say that. Yeah. Four Oscars. Four Oscars. It certainly did. It won. It was only. It was nominated for four Oscars and won every one it was yeah, nominated for. It was actually for. the largest clean sweep of nominated categories for a film not nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. So it won Best Film Editing, Best Sound, Best Sound Effects Editing, and Best Visual Effects. Yeah. Nice little haul there for The Matrix. Cannot argue with any of them. Not at all. It actually had a budget of $63 million for the whole movie and got a domestic gross of $171 million, making it the fifth highest for the year in America. And worldwide, it grossed $463 million, making it fourth highest for the year. That's actually surprising. Why is that? That it didn't break the top three. Yeah, well, when the other three are Toy Story 2, The Sixth Sense, and Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, you know, it's... It's iffy. 
Gee, that's some big movies there, isn't it? The Sixth Sense, geez, mate, just made over 670 million worldwide. And obviously, Star Wars almost clearing the billion yeah. in 1999, which is incredible. But I did actually read that they filmed it in, in largely in Australia, in Sydney. Yeah. To keep the budget down. So, yeah. I read that if they had filmed it in the US, the budget would have been around $180 million. Yeah, which Warner Brothers wouldn't have signed off on. No, and hmm. like obviously not because, A, it's a completely original idea. They have mm-hmm. no idea if this is going to work or if it's going to be a massive flop, which there are movies these days that are coming out that are very original that just aren't working. Yeah, well, even back then, the studio insisted that The Matrix needed to have some extra explanatory dialogue as they described the screenplay as the script that nobody understands. Yeah, which honestly makes sense because you watch the movie and it doesn't feel like they're giving you too much information at all. No. So, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of glad that the studio sort of said, hey, I know you guys understand it because yeah. you came up with it, but not everyone is <laughs> yeah, going to grasp it. We need more info here. Even Russell Crowe turned down the role for Morpheus because he said, I just don't get it. Yeah. I couldn't get past page 42. It was just not interesting for me. Yeah. And, you know, what are you going to do there? Exactly. And you talk about uh, actors getting it. Keanu Reeves was all over this script. He was very much wanting this um, part of Neo. Yeah. Um, originally, they actually offered it to Will Smith, mm. who turned it down to do, wait for it, Wild Wild West. Oh my God. Oops. Yep. But then, it, from what I see, it came down to basically Keanu Reeves or Johnny Depp. And they went with Keanu Reeves because he had grasped the concept so well of what The Matrix was actually about. Yeah. Just on casting, did you see who was down for Trinity at one stage? I did see along the lines uh, Jada Pinker Smith was considered for the role. Yep. Also saw Sandra Bullock. Ah, that's right. I did see that. But she turned it down because she didn't like who they were thinking of casting as Neo. Little did she know that they would end up casting Keanu Reeves, who she obviously has gotten on very well with and has worked together with on Speed and after this movie was made, The Lake House. Yeah. So, that probably would have been an interesting movie again. Oh, I'm so glad she wasn't in it. Yeah. I think Carrie Amos is perfect for this. Her first role as well. First movie role. Is it? Yep. Yep, definitely. So, in the first 45 minutes of this film, Neo has 80 lines. 44 of those lines are questions, which averages out to roughly one question per minute. Yeah, he actually didn't even have five sentences to put together until his big speech at the end either. So, they really... I mean, it's not quite Arnie and Terminator, but it's it's getting there. Like, he really did not have too much to say. Well, you can understand because he is the person in this film that doesn't know what the Matrix is. He's the one who needs to listen to everyone else explain it to him, as we are as well. We are the Neo in this story. Yeah. And for him to just basically give the one-sentence questions, that's really all he needs to be doing for half this film. Mm, exactly. Yeah. So, just going back to the Wachowskis, they actually had been going over this idea for the Matrix for years and years. Originally, they were planning it as a comic. But they did get on to producer Joel Silver, who said they needed to direct something else, to direct another movie before the studio would agree to give these two unknowns a massive budget to make this film. Yeah. So, what movie was that, Dean? Yeah, they went on to direct Bound. Have you seen that movie? I haven't seen Bound. Yeah, I saw it probably when I was about 18 and wasn't very impressed with it. So, by middle 2002, the famous bullet time sequence had been spoofed in over 20 different movies. That is how iconic that scene became. Yeah, I think the one I think of most is, was it the first scary movie? It was one of them. I think it was the first one. Yeah. Where um, yeah, they do it with the, the scream mask guy and the dodging bullets. I mean, that whole, it's not just the bullet time effect where they slow it down and they do the three. 60 shot. It's the the Neo bending over backwards and flailing his arms around. Yeah. That is just, it's so iconic. 
So you can understand why so many films were ripping it off. Yeah, of course. Going into the film a little bit here, there were a lot of injuries that happened throughout this film. Yeah, there was heaps. What have we got? Hugo Weaving hurt his hip. And actually, they had to reschedule a lot of his fight scenes till the end of the film to make, you know, allowances for it. Yeah. I also saw that Carrie Ann Moss twisted her ankle while shooting one of the scenes, but she decided not to tell anyone out of fear that they would recast her. Which is fair enough. Also, I saw Keanu Reeves. Oh, did he hurt his neck? It was um, during pre-production, actually, when he suffered a two-level fusion of his cervical spine. It actually began to cause some paralysis to his legs, and he had to go, uh, go through the neck surgery. So, you can see that throughout this film, he was still recovering. Like, even in, like, some making of documentaries and that, he's he's practicing with a, with a neck brace on. Yeah, he was really hindered with a lot of his kicking. He wasn't able to train and do his kicks like all the other actors were. So, you'll notice in the film, he actually doesn't kick as much as the other actors and does focus a lot more on his punches. Yeah, but Keanu being the perfectionist he is, he was just committed and he would come in on his days off to just keep yeah. practicing and practicing to the point where like, no, you need to go and rest. Yeah. Otherwise, you're not going to get any better. But he, no, he would keep going for it and he kept doing it. So, kudos to that guy. Also, speaking of kudos, kudos to his stunt double who got seriously injured when they were filming the uh, fight scene with Agent Smith in the station. Yeah. Where he jumps, where they're on the tracks and he jumps to the ceiling and it's obviously there's a hydraulic that pulls him up and he broke his knee he broke ribs like he was dislocated shoulder yeah he was in bad way yeah even the stuntman who was doing the shot where Neo got slammed into the booth, he injured himself from the hydraulic puller that they did. God, I wonder if it was the same guy. I'm <laughs> <laughs> lucky for that guy then. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of these fight, well, not a lot, all of these fight scenes in this film were actually choreographed by renowned Hong Kong fight choreographer Wu Ping Yun. Yeah. Who strangely did not initially want to work on this film at all. He actually asked for a massive ridiculous fee to work on it thinking there was no way they would actually pay him that <laughs> and they came back saying yep no worries yep, let's and do still it. still he was trying to get out of it and he said fine but if you want me to do it i require all these actors for minimum four months before shooting starts yeah no worries they said you got him into shape as best as he could yeah, yeah. apparently he was amazed at how unfit these people yeah. were <laughs> No, but you can see this movie is very heavily influenced in martial arts, especially from uh, movies like The uh, Fist of Legend. They do they do get inspired by- What is by, The Fist of Legend? It is an old Hong Kong martial arts film. There's also some influence from John Woo as well with the, a lot of gunplay, double-wielding guns that happen throughout this film as they've, they've gone on record saying, yep, he was a, a big influence in, in that sort of gun-fu as what they call it. You know, martial arts with guns, basically. Nice. Yeah. And in 2012, The Matrix was selected by the US Library of Congress for preservation in the National Film Registry archives. So, Makes sense. Yeah, pretty big achievement there. And with an average of 8.7, over 1.4 million ratings, it currently sits at number 18 on the list. Damn. Massive. That is Massive. so high. Well, we're going to find out if it deserves to be that high now, aren't we, Dean? Yes, we are. What's your plot summary for the weekend? Pretty simple one here. A computer hacker learns from mysterious rebels about the true nature of his reality and his role in the war against its controllers. Fair enough. Very right. generic. Yes, of course, as most plot summaries that we do are. All right, let's get into it, Dean. So straight away, you get the Warner Brothers and Village Roadshow picture logos come up, but they're a little bit different. As they're, they're a bit green. They're a bit green, a bit tinted in green. They have the, the flashiness to it, and you get those weird, almost robotic computer-type sounds over yeah, the top. Yeah, you get the metal sort of synth on top yeah. of it. Yeah, that awesome score as well. I mean, it's a really good start to the film. Yeah, the music's so loud. Yeah, like it's it, right in, it gets you involved right, yeah. right away. Yeah. And if that's not good enough to start your film, then you get this awesome scene coming up with Trinity getting caught on the phone. Yeah, and you hear all this while you're seeing that 
I mean, just marvelously iconic Matrix code vertically flowing down the screen and it's slowly getting smaller and smaller until you get the sort of thing at the top left and you hear, yeah, as you say, Trinity and Cypher speaking. Yeah, and that bit actually happens again at the end when Neo's on the phone, but it cuts out really quick. It's a systems failure. Like, mm. it doesn't even get to that point. Mm. There. So Interestingly, it actually date stamps these two events. Mm-hmm. So, you can actually work out that the whole movie takes place in 19 months exactly. No, okay, fair enough. Which is actually, I would say, longer than I would have guessed. Yeah, I would have said that too. No, they really don't show a lot of time passing at all, I would say. Yeah, I, th- I felt like the, the part where he gets taken out of the Matrix, you know, what, month? Month or two at best, maybe? Mm. Yeah. Huh? Okay, fair enough. Like, if you'd said to me this movie took place in a month, I wouldn't argue with you. No. <laughs> But like, okay, but maybe that's why they didn't. They don't say it takes nineteen months because no one will believe it. Mm. I mean, it's it's for I mean, people like it, us to yeah, find out. They put it there. So. <laughs> but there's a nice little, uh, I guess, clue that something's up with Cipher. Where Trinity th- says, "Oh, did you hear that? I think someone's tracing the call." Mm. He's like, "No, no, no, it should be fine." <laughs> like, obviously, he's already feeding information to yeah, the agents. Yeah, this is this here. is clearly him. Uh, yeah, yeah, tapping in for the agents. But you get this dark hallway with all these torches coming out. It's obviously the cops. Are Zoning in on yeah. Trinity as she's sitting at her laptop. Even that shot where they get her to put her hands up and you see the camera, you see the, the characters through the triangle made by her arm. Yeah. And it's just, it's you see her up close, you see the cops in the background. It's an amazing shot. It is. And we quickly get introduced to the agents here, including Agent Smith, played by Hugo Weaving. Yeah, I would say this is my favourite performance of the film. Oh, from him? Oh, yeah. most definitely. Oh, really? Most definitely. Okay. Yeah, he's, we'll get, we'll get to him later on when he actually starts to come out as yeah. Agent Smith. But I just, even from this very first line... I I just love this opening line where where the the lieutenant the cop downstairs he's like ah I think we can handle one little girl so yeah they're bringing her down now but, and he goes no lieutenant your men are already dead and that just sets up like okay we're getting into something here yeah. yeah and then we get this just amazing intro to the fighting style we're going to see in this film yeah you get this quick little action scene but man it's fantastic it just oh, like you said it sets it up you get you get the little shot of bullet time first up yeah when she's up in the air it, it looks amazing even for today's standards like it, it looks better than half the action films that come out now mm. oh, I, I don't disagree at all this whole action scene actually took six months of training and four days just to shoot this scene yeah and we see the leather on show here as well mm. the, the skin tight leather that they wear like it's <laughs> not the pervy way it's it's just stylish as fuck yeah it like, is because it, it shines when the light's on it it yeah, looks it, it glows glistens, yeah. yeah yeah it's great it is and you know she she wipes out all these cops real quick and and she uses this chance to escape from the agents that are coming up for her i i do love how you have trinity getting chased by the agents with the cops not too far behind on the top of the building mm. and you get to see just how not in the real world they are as you see her leap over the massive building like this mm. unbelievable jump like there's no way you can do that yeah well you need the cops there for this scene exactly right? because if the cops aren't there you see trinity run ridiculous jump onto another building you're like what the hell just and then the agent runs ridiculous yeah. jump you're like okay i guess this is just normal in this film no it's but not you've got the cops like they are what we are thinking and yeah. this is great because you know that you know this isn't a new world this no. is the world we live in and they are thinking this is impossible what is going yeah, on yeah these people these people must not be part of this world if they're doing this sort of stuff yeah and even here as trinity dives through the window and she falls down the stairs she she quickly pulls out these dual guns see so far all we've seen of her is this like 
freak of nature, this this non-human who can do all this hmm. weird and crazy stuff. But here, you see her freeze. Like she, yeah, she's got to psych herself into moving again. Get up, Trinity. Just get up. Get up. You know, and it shows a lot of vulnerability from exactly. her. And which you say, like, as you say, she has been a superhero so forth. So having her be scared and afraid and unsure, unable to move, it brings her way back down to a more, yeah. you know, level playing field with the the audience. Exactly. Exactly. Like, it's really, really great. Plus, it also adds the, the mystery and just tension of if she can do all this, what is scaring her so exactly. much? Exactly. And you you've know? seen a little glimpse of it, yeah. but obviously you see more coming up. And, you know, she gets to the phone and the truck ends up ramming it, but luckily she does disappear in time. But we don't know where she's gone. If mm. you watch this for something like, where's she gone? She obviously would have got run over. Mm. Nope, she's gone. And even like they, they have this huge chase with the agents and her. They destroy the phone box and one of them says, you know, did she get out? Doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> but even here, you think that these agents were, you know, basically what, FBI agents when they first yeah, arrived? Yeah. But then you see them take out this this phone booth with a truck. They're just openly trying to kill her and shoot her. Mm. Like, they, they, I don't think they're FBI agents. <laughs> so, what this film does really good is give you information bit by bit throughout the film. It leaves a lot of mystery involved here, like... What what are these agents doing? What 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 is with this girl who can do all this freak stuff? Get a phone call and disappear out of into nowhere. Yeah, like you don't know any of this stuff, and you gradually learn it as you go. Of course, obviously, when you get to the halfway point, and then it just dumps it all on you. Mm. That's fine because it has you've, had, to. you've led up to this mystery. Yeah, you can't you can't have this uh, information dump continue throughout the film. You need to have all that happen at that point so you can get into you know the second part of the story, which is the Oracle and 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 all that, and Neo being the one. And it's not just that, but we need it because Neo needs it. Exactly. Right? That's when They're he not- learns it. Yeah, exactly. So, he's our protagonist here. We need to- he needs to know this stuff. There's no way they're going to tell him bits and pieces throughout the rest of the film. Hmm. When he get, comes into the real world, he needs to know everything that they tell him. And it's good that we don't know it until he does, because if we know more information now than when he does, we're going to like, come on, mate. Yeah, like, keep up. Well, yeah, what's going on? Like, yeah. yeah, it would feel like it's dragging. Exactly. But instead, we get this film that you're just always wanting more information. Exactly. Speaking of Neo- Here's our introduction to him. Wake up, Neo. Yep. So, obviously, Neo, anagram of one. Why'd you figure that out by yourself? I mean, I did, but it doesn't exactly take a genius. I thought it was an anagram for Eno, which is Italian for the question. <laughs> which is Italian for the one. <laughs> Il Eno. Mind blown. <laughs> so, we get our first reference to Alice in Wonderland here. Yeah, with the white rabbit. Follow the white rabbit. Are you an Alice in Wonderland fan? Not really. Oh, I'm not. I don't dislike Alice in Wonderland. It's, I'm just, I haven't seen any of the Tim Burton films or anything like that. Uh, don't judge it by that. No, no I'm, I'm just saying, like, I think I've seen the, the Disney one a long, long time ago, though. Yeah. I really like Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, well, fair enough. We're going to get a lot more references to it coming on in this film. Mm. Speaking of which, he gets a, a knock on the door from his friend, I guess, or his, um, what would he be, a business partner? It's yeah. not partner. Um, it's like a bloody... A customer. Yeah. Yeah, he'd be it's a customer very much like, a, like he's a drug dealer and yeah. these are his... His customers coming to the door. Just before that, though, I do love the segue from you see the computer, knock, knock, Neo, and then it's... I could just put the, the knock in. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> my hand for nothing. <laughs> yeah, so this hacker guy obviously comes to the door. He wants a program from him, gives him a bunch of money. Neo goes to his, his bookshelf, takes out a book, opens it up, and that's where he's hiding all these programs and stuff. Did you notice what was on that page that he opened up to? No, I didn't. It's The chapter was called On Nihilism. 
Ah, okay. I think we've had a talk about nihilism before. We have mentioned it. So, basically, nihilism explores the ideas that life is devoid of meaning. Very appropriate here. Yeah, it makes perfect sense here. (laughs) I did like the conversation he was having with his customer and the foreshadowing that they were saying here where he says, You ever have that feeling where you're not sure if you're awake or still dreaming? And then his mate says, Look, it just sounds to me like, you know, you need to unplug, man. Yeah, I've actually never picked up on that before. <laughs> really? I don't when think I said, did either. When he said, sounds to me like you need to unplug, man, I was like, what? <laughs> I would never notice that. <laughs> and so we end up at this nightclub, this old 90s nightclub. Is it Ramstein playing? And it sounds like something like Prodigy, maybe, like oh, old yeah. old punkish music playing. You ever gone to any of those types of nightclubs? No. No. I know we've gone to some nightclubs that have a bit more upbeat music. Yeah. <laughs> but nothing like that. I feel like we'd stand out in that nightclub. I think we would. <laughs> Like, where's your black leather? <laughs> hey, man, forties and slums, yeah. come on, come on, man. So now it's Trinity here, and they have a conversation, which is basically more slow revealing to us what the big question of the movie is, and it's more, yeah, it's more teasing us as yeah. the audience. Exactly. You know, like, it doesn't matter what the answer is; it's a question that'll drive you crazy. Yeah, and, and then that, he and says, that question it. gets asked a lot, like leading into this. Yeah, and, but it's great that he says, "What is the Matrix?" Yeah, and you're like, "Oh, he knows, he knows about it." <laughs> So, this boss at, at um, Neo's work here, is this supposed to be like a mold of Agent Smith? It's very, very much so, isn't yeah. it? You believe you're special. The way he talks. Yeah. <laughs> just that, yeah, that inflection he just did. Every employee understands they are part of the whole. <laughs> you know, like that's, it is yeah. extremely Smith-like. Yeah. And he even, he even calls him Mr. Anderson. Yeah. Now, what, honestly, what corporate massive boss would call an employee Mr. or Mrs. or Miss Anderson? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's yeah, no okay. way you'd call your underlings Mr. Yeah, fair enough. There's no way. So, when he says, the time has come for you to make a choice, Mr. Anderson, it's just like, God, this is exactly what an agent would say. <laughs> it's funny, though. Did you notice the name of the company that Neo works for you? Um, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue, but I can't remember. It's, it's Metacortex. Okay. Now, obviously, meta means going above, and cortex is the outer layer of the brain. Mm-hmm. So, it's literally like going outside your brain. Yeah. All these little it's, things it's, in this movie. It's everywhere. It's yeah. fantastic. It is one of those perfect films where you can watch multiple times yeah. and pick up something every single time. Oh, for sure. But Neo gets a phone. Turns out it's Morpheus on the phone. I love how Morpheus gives his answers. Yes. <laughs> you know who this is. Morpheus. Yeah. Yes. See, I don't know why, but he kind of reminded me of Anton Chigurh, the way he answers. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I, just, I didn't I get, get that some, I get some, Just the yes and no's parts. Like, no. I, I don't even know if Morpheus says no on this, but I got a lot of yes. <laughs> <laughs> it just it got me every time. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. So Morpheus is actually the god of dreams in Greek mythology, which is ironic because he spends the whole movie trying to pull people out of dreams. Oh, Dean, very, very, very well done. <laughs> Thank you. I did my research. But he does tell Neo to get the hell out of there because there's agents on the crawl. Firstly, how great is this phone? Pulls well, the, it out oh, and it's flip- a... Yeah. <laughs> It's it's almost like a gun. Like it just, it just holds it. It doesn't even look like he clicks a button. It just rings it. It's great. It's great. So he tells Neo to escape out the window. Tells him you've got two choices, and those choices basically seem to reflect the different types of paths you can take here. Like if he chooses to go back inside and get arrested by the agents, he's sort of going along with the way society deems him to. Like that's what you would do. However, on the other hand, if he goes outside and tries to escape, he's sort of taking his own path of like freeing himself, becoming Mm. his own person. And he does attempt it, but, you know, he bitches out 
button. Can I just say how dangerous this is? Yes, of course. Like, what if he'd fallen, Morpheus? He is the one he and you're be- risking his life. And he wouldn't be the one, would he? <laughs> so if he'd if his foot had accidentally slipped, then ah, not the one anymore. No, not lucky. It, no, he wouldn't have been the one. That's how he does it. He's probably given that to a lot of other people. Just go ahead that window. Oh, <laughs> guess he wasn't the one, guys. Sorry, Trinity. This one's gone again. <laughs> what do you think of this interrogation scene and our actual introduction here to Agent Smith? Oh, like amazing. Yes, it's so good. I, Hugo Weaving is like, like we said before, he is spot on in this film. He is perfect. Like he's menacing, he's terrifying, but he's stoic as well. Mm. All in one go here. Oh, he's so calm and controlled. And when yeah. you see someone like that, you just know they've got their shit together. Yeah. Like this isn't someone who's just going to fly off the handle and do something stupid. Everything he does, he's a fully aware of. As you can see, we've had our own for quite some time, <laughs> Mr. Anderson. Just that deep voice he's got as well. It, it's great. It's so good. And if that's not bad enough, like when Neo's mouth starts to melt together. What good is a phone call if you're unable to speak? <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. But no, that, that effect of his mouth closing over. Oh, it's it's it, horrifying. Oh, it's so great. And they get out that bug, that wee bug that crawls in his belly. I'm like, like, I'm like, I'm like scratching around on my stomach. Like, no, uh, get away. Yeah, like, no, it's, it's, oh, it's, it's horrific. It's great. But then he wakes up. And, yeah, and that's when you're wondering, was that a dream? Well, it's it's filmed like it could have been a dream. Exactly. Because he wakes up, he checks his stomach, everything's normal. He's yeah. like, huh, maybe and it again, was a dream. what he said before, do you ever get that feeling when you don't know if you're awake or, you know, dreaming? But again, I think it's odd here where Morpheus calls him. And says, I must be quick because the line will be tapped, right? Mm -hmm. And then he says, if they knew how important you were, you would be dead. Like, maybe don't say that if they're listening. Well, I don't necessarily understand that because they used what Agent Smith offered him in the interrogation room was a chance to, you know, help him find Morpheus. They They must know how important he is already. And they're using him to get to Morpheus. Yeah, but they think Morpheus is more dangerous than Neo. Ah, yeah, fair enough, I guess. All right, well, yeah. Morpheus ain't going to do shit. Yeah. All right, Neo's the one that's going to change their world. Now, I know it looked cool and everything, but why did they have to put this weird alien tracker in instead of just like a little chip? Because seriously, from what I could tell, this robotic tracker basically is just like a, all they say is it's a tracker. Yeah. It's like, eh. Yeah, they could have just like- It's extreme. Punched it under his skin or something. Yeah. yeah. In the back of his neck. Exactly. Or maybe because it's a little bug creature, it's much harder to get out. You see how you see how far they had to go with that machine mm. to get him. Yeah. Very simple, get a knife and scalpel. It would just move out of the way. Yeah, fair point. Yeah. Speaking of that little gun thing, they he gets picked up in the car by the crew. Crew, I, yeah. Switch, and Apoc. That's right, and Trinity. Well, yeah, obviously Trinity. Do you I, know- do, I do like how they they pull over and he's ready to get out, and she gives him that choice. And you see that he's he got the road all the way down to the end. It's like, you've been down that road. Nice yeah. metaphorical look of the road that they're actually going down yeah. and the road he's mentally gone down already. Yeah, Switch here calls him Copper Top, which I never really gave a second thought to, but it's actually slang for a Duracell battery because it's got that copper head on the black battery. Okay. Yeah, all right. So, this is the first time we see Switch. Now, obviously, this is a bit of a nothing character, just one of the, the team here. Do you know what was originally designed for the character of Switch? Yeah, that she was supposed to be, I believe, a man in real life and a female in the Matrix. Yeah, so she'd be changing sex like back and forth from when she moves between the Matrix and the real world, but apparently they were so impressed with the actress here that they 
ditched that idea of sex changing and went with just the, the female. So here's our introduction to Morpheus. Yes, nice, perfectly timed lightning bolt oh, yeah. as he walks in the room. Yeah, there are a couple of perfectly timed lightning bolts throughout this film, I must add. There are. I feel like this is the most ridiculous, though. Yeah. This is Morpheus. <laughs> <laughs> Surprised I didn't go dum dum dum. <laughs> Hello, Neo. Uh, he's good. Lawrence Fishburne is really good in this film. He really is. How great are the glasses? Oh, the glasses are great. I the- forgot how great his glasses were. I did notice, actually, there's one point in the film where the glasses aren't reflective. Did you pick up on that spot? No. When was it? It's when Morpheus is teaching Neo about how the world became how it was. They're in the, they're in the computer simulation, and it's the entire white background. And they have So, the- it should be reflecting white. It should be reflecting something, but it's actually blackened over because the camera is right in front of him. They couldn't get it without the camera reflecting off the glasses. Oh, wow, nice. Good pickup. They don't look very practical, though, I must say. No, they look like they fall <laughs> off your nose. I, I, wonder, I would question how many times I actually fell off in his fight scenes. Ooh, does he fight with them? He doesn't fight with the glasses on. Doesn't he? Never. That would make sense. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Good call, Wachowskis. So, we do get a bit of exposition here from Morpheus. And just, I love the body language that they're both showing here. you got these awesome big old chairs they're sitting in. And Morpheus is sitting back so relaxed. And you see Neo just leaning in, like, just eager for any bit of information he yeah. can get here. Because they say, like, he's been looking for him for years. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain. But you feel it. You felt it your entire life. That there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Like a splinter in your mind. Driving you mad. It is this feeling that has brought you to me. Do you know what I'm talking about? The Matrix. Yeah, that is a great convo they have between each other here. He basically gives him a quick introduction of what the Matrix is. It's small because mm. he doesn't want to overload him before yep. he gets there, but he wants to give him a tease. Yep. And he basically says what it's about. It's like, Matrix is all around you. Yeah. You know? I mean, and, that's pretty broad. But he says, like, it, it's a it's a cover for the real world. Again, very broad statements. Yeah. But at least it's shrunk it down a little bit. It yeah. looks like Neo had no idea what the Matrix was. Mm. Could have been a computer game. Couple of went to computer game. Basically, is a computer game. But you can see he looks very authoritative yet menacing as well. Like I wouldn't want to mess with this guy like at all. In fact, the first time he saw the movie, Lawrence Fishburne said, "Morpheus scared the shit out of me." Oh, pumping his own tires up a bit there. Well, you got the opportunity. You got the opportunity. He's like, "Oh my god, someone actually wants to interview me." He's like, man, I look like Can a Can I talk about how great I was in this movie? <laughs> uh, Mr. Fishburne, you've been going for three hours. No, 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 no. I was terrified. And this is where we get a little conversation about a couple of different pills he might be able to take. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Now, Dean, what pill would you take? I mean, if it was me, I'd take the blue pill. But if I'm Neo, who's been looking for Morpheus for so long, who feels like there's something not right in his world, and subsequently feels like there's something not right in his life, like, I couldn't live thinking there's something wrong fundamentally all the time, okay? But I don't feel like that at all. So, for me, I'd take the blue pill. Well, what if Morpheus came up to you and said, this world is not real. You take this pill, I will take you to the real world. Or uh, you I'd can just stay, stay here. I like this world. Yeah, this world's good. What pill 
would you take? The blue. Yeah. yeah. I saw in interviews that the uh, the directors, the Ratowskis, have said that they would both take the blue pill. The great thing about this red pill, blue pill discussion, from a visual point of view, is the glasses again. The reflection. Yes. yes. You've got one lens showing blue pill, one lens showing the red pill. And when Neo goes to choose a red pill, you're only seeing him move in the red pill lens. Like yeah. It's, it's so well set up, honestly. It is. It's a really good shot. So, we get another little pop culture reference here. Buckle your seatbelts, Dorothy, because Kansas is going bye-bye. Yep, little Wizard of Oz there. I like the way they set up this crazy sort of mirror trick and what he's going to see. Like, they justify it by saying, we're going to disrupt his input-output signals. Yeah. So, what he's seeing is not actually going to be what's getting to his brain. Yeah, that's right. Which is great, because you sort of think when you're watching it, like, is this really happening? Yeah. But it's clear that it's not. No, it's all in his mind. Yeah, because the way, like, he's looking at the mirror, he's like, are, are you guys seeing this? And yeah. they're looking at each other like, what the okay. fuck is this? It's working, about? it's working. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it is very tense when you see this, you know, almost liquid metal going up his arm into his chest and finally down his mouth. Mm. And I love the way the camera just shoots down his mouth with the metal. Yeah. And it's like, I think he, like, yells and it turns into the, the metal noise. It turns. It sounds like like a computer modem. Yeah, yeah, which is you know perfect because it's like they're sending signals. Yeah. yeah, it's fantastic. I love that part. It's great. <laughs> and this is where we actually get into the real world. Real he wakes world. Up, basically, being born out of his pod. The visuals here really are something else. I tell you, when I first saw this. I had absolutely no idea what was going on mm. at this point. I'm like, I mean, I mean, how could you? Like, you, you you've been in this Matrix world, and you come just like, what is this? <laughs> like, it's it's fantastic. Like, and now if, it is. Like, after you know what's going on, yeah. Like, and you it, hear it about it later the on, whole like, movie oh, yeah, on its head. Like, this was not the movie I was expecting. I, I wasn't expecting it to go this way at all. And it's a fantastic turn of events. Like, it's so smart, you like unique. Like, you haven't seen anything like this before. No, and. I mean, it's it's ridiculously complicated. It's ballsy, but it's it's great. It's genius. It all works so yeah. well. The way it's explained, the way it's the way it's shot, it's believable. Yeah. Right. You see these pods with their fields of you know human batteries going. Yeah. The way it's it's shown to us, you can be like, wow, that's how it would look. Yeah. It's not like they don't show you, and you're sort of like, yeah, I can't really get around how it would actually be, but you see it all. It's great. Yeah. We talk about Keanu Reeves being committed to the role. He lost. 15 pounds and shaved his whole body to give himself this look mm. for this scene. And consequently, this scene, followed by the scene of him falling into the water shortly after, is actually the last thing they filmed. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's interesting here. You can see immediately that the color scheme has actually changed here. Yeah. You don't really notice it, but the, when they're in the Matrix, I mean, you do if you're looking for it, but it has a very green tinge to everything. Mm. Like, I noticed actually one shot where you first see him in his office space, his skin is actually, the way the light's reflecting on it, it's, he has like green light on his face. I noticed it a bit in the nightclub scene and at the workplace. Yeah. Like, he did have a sort of brownish suit on, but it was tinted in a way where it looked a little green as yeah. well. And that makes sense because you, when, even coming up, when they're looking at the Matrix or the code, it's all green. Everything yeah, is green. of course. Yeah. So, when you see him finally come into the real world, everything is blue. Mm, nice blue tint on it. Yeah. Did you notice that anything that wasn't in either world was actually tinted a bit yellow? Yeah, in particular, the dojo scene yeah. where he's fighting Morpheus has a very yellow tinge to it. Yep, so he gets picked up by the Nebuchadnezzar and you get that awesome line. Welcome to the real world. Yeah, I'm not. I'm honestly not a fan of that line. Why not? I mean, I don't hate it. I just think there are 50 better lines in the movie. Like this next one about to come up. Why am I, sir? 
You've never used them before. So I don't know. I wouldn't think of that line at all. I would oh. think of Welcome to the Real World before I hear that. Really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. That's great that, you know, you see different people taking different things away from it. That's right. How ridiculous did he look with all those pins and needles in his body as he's getting fixed up? Yeah, the acupuncture, yeah. trying to simulate his muscles. Yeah. I found it interesting that he didn't need to stimulate the muscles around his private regions and the top of his legs so he could have, uh, like, an underwear on. Like, surely you, you sort of pass the point of, hey, let's not embarrass the guy and make him... Na- like, wouldn't you rather the muscles working? Come maybe, on. Maybe Especially in that area. Maybe they'd already done that Trinity in private Trinity needs time. some love, yo. Maybe they'd done that in a private section. <laughs> How right. do you- We're going to do your entire body except your uh, genitalia. How do you know that they have genitalia? <laughs> what? They're people. They were they were made. They're made people. They were harvest. They were made by robots. Why, do you, why would they need reproductive organs? Well, they definitely have it in Reloaded. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm thinking, how did like Tank and Dozer get made? They're not from the... the- no, but they're, they're from the real world. Yeah. Oh, but they would be bred from yeah. X batteries. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. <laughs> so, you see all the pins and needles in him. Have you ever had acupuncture before? No. Oh, yeah. What? Have you? I have had. Oh, had, you I've say had... it like, yeah, have it every yeah, Thursday. No worries. I've got a, you know, got a Tuesday morning when schedule for you it. had acupuncture? When I had some issues with my back, I went to a physio and they actually put needles in my well, back. Well, I'm sorry. I haven't had issues with my back. It was awesome. They gave me a nice massage. What they do is they put the needles into your muscles and they basically twisted them so it would like loosen really? the muscles. Well, tell me, did you get a happy ending after? Like, was your back a lot like feeling better afterwards? Well, yes, I did get a happy ending, Dean. Oh, lucky you. All right, moving on. Yeah, this is where we basically get the exposition dump we were talking about. Like, we find out that it's pretty close to twenty one ninety nine. Oh, I think, honestly, I think this is so stupid. Why? Because Neo wakes up, right? Morpheus walks in and he's like, what's going on? What is this place? And Morpheus says, more important than what is when. Like, does it make any difference whatsoever what number year it is? No, it does not. I think what this place is, is ten times more important than when it is. I think you need to set up what has actually happened first, though. Who cares if it's 200 years in the future? It means nothing. It does mean something because you need to explain how we got 200 years in the future. What has happened? Why are we like this 200 years later? You don't even say, oh, we're on a hovercraft. So, what's happened? Mm. Well, it's been 200 years and there's been a war and everyone's, this is the decay and this is what's happened. By the way, we're on a, oh, we're on a ship hovering around the sewers. But it's not like in the year 1999 in the real world, it would have been normal, is it? Yes. It was normal in 1999. Yes. So they've recreated this matrix, right? It started it from the beginning of time. Is that what you're saying? No. When Agent Smith talks to Morpheus when he's in the building, when he's getting captured, yeah. he says the first matrix they built didn't work because you humans couldn't, you, like, yeah, that you couldn't adapt to how it was. So we we rebuilt the matrix in the way that you worked the best, which was at that time, which was 1999. So how long has the matrix been running? The, oh, we're not going to get into like they, they haven't they, they've now done like multiple matrices that crumbled and crashed and they had to restart it. And- yeah, but like the matrix they're living in, how long has that been running? I don't know. I think they start talking about that in the, the sequels, and we're not talking about those today. Not today. And so Morpheus takes him into the computer world by jamming a spike in the back of his neck. That'd hurt. Would it? Well, would it? How would you know? Well, the look on his face when he got it shoved in the back of his neck looked like it hurt. Yes. Mm. Did you find it weird going back a couple of scenes when he wakes up, he's got a single rod stuck in his arm, which he pulls out himself? Maybe that's like a an IV. Like he's asleep. He's just he's just come awake from his basically sleep. 
He Columba. Need, yeah, he needs an IV to keep his fluids up. Interesting. Yeah. Could be. I, th- I thought it was weird they'd leave one in him. Yeah, I didn't find it weird at all. So they go into this computer world, and this is where Morpheus explains to him what has happened to the world since 1999, basically, that in a very Terminator-style way, they created artificial intelligence, it took over, and for them to try and beat the artificial intelligence, they had to block out the sun. Mm. But they, they found a way around it, and they started using humans as batteries. Yeah. Which was... A great explanation. Unreal. It is a fantastic explanation. Yeah. And they, they created this program of the Matrix to keep these batteries in a safe haven, basically. Mm. And it's great. It is. And obviously, it talks about what is and what isn't real a lot, which is basically the crux of this whole movie. Mm. You know, like what makes something real? I love what Morpheus says about the, the definition of real. How do you define real? If you're talking about what you can feel, what you can smell, what you can taste and see, then real is simply electrical signals interpreted by your brain. Like, yeah, that's some real... Real. It's it's real philosophical stuff to think about. Oh, this film is just drenched in philosophical arguments. Oh, there's arguments. so much in there. Like, when I'm sitting there watching it recently and they say some stuff, I'm just sitting there like, ah, oh, like, please, no, I can't, I can't take that. Just get to the gun scene, George. I don't have time to think about this. Yeah. This is definitely one of the most successful and popular, incredibly intelligent films. Yes, exactly. But in the end, Neo does, as probably most of us would, he freaks out, passes out, and vomits. Exactly. Everything he has ever known is a lie. Yeah. Like everything he's done, everything he's strived for in his life, none of it matters. And we get this, we get this interesting little, um, sort of reflection from Morpheus here where he's sitting saying, Oh, we don't normally, um, release people as old as you. Like mm. we have age limits on it, but I was just so sure. I'm so sure you're the one. We, we had to break the rule. Yeah. And we also learn a little bit about Zion here, the city where everyone lives. Yeah, like much what, it. what a great place. This sounds like. Oh, yeah. I can't, can't wait to get to there. I cannot wait to see it. But to be fair, Neo has a shit ton of pressure on him here. Like, he hears about the one here from Morpheus, mm. this guy who saves the Matrix, and he believes it's him, you know, their saviour, who's yeah. going to change the world for him. Bit of pressure. Oh, it's crazy. <laughs> but we get into his training. Oh, I love the training. The training's good. The training I mean, how, montage how, how is good so would it great. be? How good would it be to just learn all this shit in a blink of an eye? Yeah. Just, just download it, you're done. You just know it. I know Kung Fu. And then Morpheus takes him into a training simulator, and this whole kung fu scene is so good. It's it's uh, it's unreal. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like I'm watching this, and I'm like, I could easily just put that excellent bumper in here. I could put it in here. I could put it in here. Yeah. I could put it in here. There's so many I can do. I have set it on one, but like, could have been this one for sure. Easily, like amazing choreography on display here. I love the quick cut of everyone running up to the fight. Morpheus fight new, and they just like dive into everything. They jump can see the it. table. Yeah. <laughs> A mouse is doing like little moves. Yeah, he loves it. He loves it. <laughs> I also love the look that Neo gives to himself when he realizes that he can just do all this stuff. He's like, he bounces around like, "Hey, I'm so good. I can, I can do kung fu." <laughs> yeah, like, he does a little thumb tap to his nose that Bruce Lee popularized in Enter the Dragon. Yeah, like he's pretty proud of himself. Yeah, and then they start like he starts running up the the beams of the room they're in. Yep. Morpheus does a huge jump, nearly landing. All those slow mo shots are are time perfect in this scene as well. And the music as well is so just get you. It's energetic. It's very energetic. Yeah, Yeah, it's so good this scene. But you say there are some quotes here you love. There's two that stick out to me a lot. There's. You think that's air you're breathing now? And it's great because, like, Neo sort of reacts like, oh, shit. Yeah. I've got to stop thinking about things the way I'm thinking about them. Yeah, he's like heavy breathing after doing this. He's like, but yeah, it's not real. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, you can see like when he's getting ready to fight him again, like you can see his mind just clearing. Like mm. he's just, he's thinking, you know, about the right things he should be thinking about. Yeah. 
and he ends up getting the better of him. Like you can see, come on, stop trying to hit me, yeah, hit me. You can see him actually just <laughs> pushing him to get it done. Like the like you start seeing the speed of Neo's punches just yeah, the, the, the rippling cr- through the air, and you see the look on Morpheus's face when he just misses him. Like whoa, like he's yeah. like holy shit, and then boom, like the the fist yeah. goes right in his face, and everyone watching him is like, I don't oh, believe it. I don't yeah. believe it. It's crazy. And we get to the jump program now. You get that iconic line from Neo. <gasps> like that's you so often now in everything. Yeah, I mean it's it's iconic for Neo, but it's iconic for Keanu Reeves. Like oh, yeah. that's that sums him up <laughs> yeah. so much. You see the look on Trinity's face that she's hoping he makes the jump, and you see the disappointment on her and face. And you can when- tell she's really cut because Cypher's like, ah, you know, can you believe that, Trin? And she's gone. Like yeah. she's just she's had enough. Yeah. Well, because at this point, she's been told by the Oracle she's going to fall in love with the one. Yeah. And, and she's, she's obviously have feelings for him. Yeah. Already. She's obviously developing feelings and she's thinking, man, I hope this is the one. Yeah. And it's at this point we also realize that if you die in the Matrix, you'll die in the real world as well, which will hold a heavy burden on them coming up. Because if they don't tell you that, you can probably think, well, it's a fake world. They're not going to die. They could just, yeah. you know, wake come up. Back. Yeah. But no, you die in there, you die in the real world. And it has major consequences now for all of them. Yeah, exactly. I did like that he doesn't make the jump. Yeah. He's got to have room to grow and he's got to develop like himself personally to get to the level of being the one. If he just makes that jump and he's a superhero from mm. the from the jump, um <laughs> like he's got nowhere to go. He's if he starts out as an ace, where does he go? But that also is good with the Oracle as well, how she tells him you are not the one. If she goes ahead and says you are the one, okay. Well there mm. we go. End of movie. Like he he's the best. He needs to be told he's not so he can figure it out for himself. He's already yeah, said- but I don't. I don't think if the Oracle tells him he's the one, oh, he gets all these powers into the movie. I think if she tells him he's the one, he might not even get his powers. He might get too big-headed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, he needs to think he's not and go and try and save Morpheus later on using his, you know, his own methods. But it's like what he said earlier to Morpheus. So, he doesn't believe in fate. He feels like he wants to control his own life. And if he gets told that he is the one, mm. that's like fate. He needs, he wants to be it's able to like find fate, it out himself. It's fate. Yeah, exactly. He wants to, he wants to do it himself. He wants to find out for himself that he is the one. Yeah. And yeah, that sums up perfectly. Exactly what you said here with the jump scene. We're yeah. glad he didn't do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I love this scene. The scene with the, the woman in the red dress. And it's probably, honestly, this is probably my favourite music of the whole movie here. Yeah, it is a great track to accompany this scene. No, it really is. But what I love about it, music aside, is that you see Neo and Morpheus walking down a street. And you kind of think they're in the Matrix at this point. Yeah. And Neo like- certainly does. And then all of a sudden, Morpheus says, freeze it, and everyone stops. And you get Neo just like, what? It's great. But obviously, the point of the training is to teach him that anyone can be an agent, which yeah. ties into their ability to take over people at will. Yeah, exactly. Which is obviously plays a major part later on. I actually read that when they cast this scene, they cast a lot of identical twins or people mm. that look alike yep. and had them play different people walking along the street so that you're seeing sort of the repetition in the Matrix yeah. coming through. We also get the good line here. What are you trying to tell me? That I can dodge bullets? No, Neo. I'm trying to tell you that when you're ready, you won't have to. Which is exactly what happens at the end. Exactly. And it is an interesting line. It's like, because you don't understand what the hell they mean. Like, what, is, what do you mean you won't have to dodge bullets, you know? It sums it up perfectly. Like, coming up, he does dodge the bullets, and then he gets to the point where he doesn't have... He sums it up perfect to him. Yeah. And again, going down the route of explaining the plot, we're told about the Sentinels, the Squiddies, and their little role they'll play later on. We need to know about this now for it to play out later. Yeah, we do. We do. Definitely probably the most boring scene in the movie, though, this one. Yeah. The setup for the Squiddies later on. Yeah. That probably <laughs> is. Yeah, I know, but come on. <laughs> 
So we see this quiet little scene of Neo walking up to Cypher, and Cypher's looking at, obviously, the Matrix code, and he's got about eight or ten screens on either side that are on. Mm -hmm. And as soon as Neo walks up, a couple of clicks, and they all black out. Yeah. He's clearly doing something dodgy. Yeah, he clearly is. And he jumps when he sees Neo. He looks like a dodgy bastard anyway. (laughs) He does. Angeliano. Yeah. So good. good. Yeah, he's an amazing actor. If you haven't seen him in Sopranos, you're missing out. Whoa. That'd be his best role, wouldn't it? Or this. No, I would say Sopranos, yeah. for sure. Yeah. We also start to see here that Cypher has a couple of doubts here as well. He starts to throw a little shade at Morpheus about what he's done. Oh, yeah, the yeah. why, oh, why didn't I pick the blue pill? Yeah, he's like, did he tell you what you were doing? Yeah. And like, Neo nah. sort of looks at him like, what? He's yeah. like, no, I'm, I'm happy with my red pill. <laughs> yeah, he's he's definitely the one who is a little bit hesitant into what he's done. Yeah, for sure. And sure enough, straight after this scene, you get him sitting at the restaurant with Agent Smith eating the steak, basically selling them out to go back into the Matrix. Yeah, absolutely. Now, how does Cypher get in and out of the Matrix here? Because for everything we've seen, you need someone in the ship to bring you out. Must be a timer, maybe. Timer? I don't know. I don't know. It's odd. Cypher's the only other character in this film that actually gets two names. One real world name Mm -hmm. and one Matrix name. Agent Smith calls him Mr. Reagan here. Yeah. Now, we get a reference, him saying he wants to be an actor. Now, I'm guessing this is a bit of a little reference to Ronald Reagan here. Yes, I would imagine so. And even he says later on, I don't want to remember anything, all right? Nothing. Yeah. Now, Ronald Reagan actually um, got diagnosed with Alzheimer's later on in life. Wow. Yeah. I also wonder, like, how would their first ever meeting happen? You know what I mean? Like, maybe, whenever they maybe see- Maybe send an email out. Whenever hey, they see hey, agents, agents in the Matrix, flipped. they run or they die. He's like, stop, stop, stop. I want to help. <laughs> oh, wait, don't get me. I'll help you. <laughs> Yeah, so he wants to sell out the crew. He just wants to go back to the Matrix and remember nothing. He just wants to go and live back in that fantasy. And uh, I don't blame him. Like no, the, place he, the place he lives is horrible. Yeah, it like, sucks. Exactly. And of course, you don't want to remember anything. Otherwise, it's just going to be a fantasy you're living in and not your perceived real world. Yeah, exactly. That's why he's like, I want to remember nothing. Probably also because he doesn't want to remember selling his mates out as well. Yeah, if he cared that much, he wouldn't do it. Well, I guess so. He does take a little bit of pleasure in killing them later on. He takes a lot of pleasure. <laughs> We'll get to that. Yeah. It's Oracle time. It is. I love the shot. I mean, there's a, so many great shots here, mm. but the, the rotating yes. camera going around the phone and then cutting to around the room of them all lying there. And then it keeps going around the phone and then they all appear in the room. They're all suave as hell. Oh, except yeah, for contra- Switch. He's <laughs> got to be different, don't you? <laughs> got to be white. Don't you? wear the white. <laughs> Couldn't just wear black like everyone else. <laughs> I like the nice little talk here you get from Neo noticing a place he used to eat and how it just doesn't mean anything to him anymore, how nothing, none of it really happened. It's just he's starting to really, he's starting to get all this philosophical I actually felt like that line was a little corny. Nah, I think it's fine. Oh, my mistake. That's right. I didn't think that. Well, you should (laughs) have. And now we get this mystery of what the Oracle told Trinity, her path. I love how they set this up for us now. Like, we really want to know what she was told. Like, it obviously has some significance to Neo himself. Otherwise, she would have mentioned it to him. She tries to keep it from him. Mm. We know it's going to be a key role later on in the film. Yeah, again, I feel like this love story is probably the weakest part of the movie for me. I thought you just said that scene with the squiddies was the weakest part. That was the worst scene. (laughs) This is the worst, like, storyline. Like, as you say, the squiddies come back and they have to come back later. It builds a lot of tension later on, obviously. So, you do need it. It's boring, that first squid scene, but you need it. But you need this- This whole love love story is- You need this love story. It's a bit of a drag. You need this love story. I'm not sure I really buy the Carrie-Anne Moss, Keanu Reeves chemistry either, to be honest. No, you need this love story. Not that I would buy chemistry 
chemistry between Keanu Reeves and anyone, in all fairness. You need it. You need to have this love story from Trinity because she needs to have this purpose for thinking that he's the one. If she doesn't have this this realization that he's the one or not, she's not going to do some of the, the actions that she does along the way here. If she doesn't have this idea of him being the one and he dies at the end, she's going to be like, oh, okay, moving on. She has to. She knows that he is the one the whole time throughout this now. And doing some of those actions helps him become the one. Okay, so you're saying if she didn't kiss him later on, he'd just die? Yep. Seriously? You think he's just going to come back to life? Yes. No. He's the one. No. He you, wouldn't, you think no. if it wasn't for her, he wouldn't be the one? That I is absolute so. crap. I think so. His name is literally Neo. Why did he die then? Why did he die? Yeah. <laughs> Why did he die? Because he got shot? That's the power of love. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's talk about the Oracle, shall we? We shall. What about the waiting room with all the child potentials and that classic I mean, spoon potential, bending? Potential what? I, I believe that they're like potential- Kids to take out? Religions, God, like gods, like that's all their prophecies. Like you got- Potential you got, gods? Yeah, like there's, um, I believe there's Hinduism there, but I'm pretty sure what I read was that's all like different religions and their beliefs. So what religion is Neo? The one. The right one. <laughs> yes, the right one. The only one. Now, what do you think of this spoon, this bending spoon? I mean, it's so memorable. Yes, yes it is. I don't know why. Like, I sort of look at it. I watch it now and like, you know, that whole, don't try to bend the spoon. That's impossible. <laughs> I was like, man, this kid's annoying. But it's just, I know it so well. Yeah. And again, it blows your mind. Like, <laughs> like There is no spoon. Oh, please don't. <laughs> don't make me think like this. Yeah. But do you think, do you think that when he looked at it and the spoon bent, do you think he actually bent it? Yes. You don't think it bent? Well, he the spoon bends, the woman's like, you're ready, and he turns, around, and he turns back around and it's completely straight again. Yeah, because his concentration was broken. I think that might have been in his mind. If it was in his he, mind, he saw it. if it was in his mind, then it would have been in the kid's mind as well. So when he looked at the kid bending the spoon, the spoon would Actually, have been straight, and the kid was thinking it was bending. We're both wrong. You know why? Why? There is no spoon. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> okay, so we finally get into the Oracle making cookies. Oh, yeah. If, if the spoon bending conversation didn't blow your mind, this one right here. And don't worry about the days. What days? I'm sorry. I said don't worry about it. How did you know? Oh, what's really going to bake your noodle later on is, would you still have broken it if I hadn't said anything? My head almost exploded after this talk. Like, stop it! It's great. It's the whole, I mean, it's not exactly original time travel paradoxes, but it is always great to think about. It is so good. But this this line she has here, like, I can see why she likes you. Not too bright, though. I just thought, like, she liked this. I'm like, like, come on. This is just... This is just silly. See, this is where we get told that Morpheus is going to sacrifice himself and that Neo is going to have to make a choice. And this is great because it's setting up where this is going to go without giving away too much information. So now we're waiting for the time where Morpheus actually does this, but we don't know when it's going to happen. It's just a little hint about the future, but not enough to spoil where this is actually going. Yeah, so she says that one of them will have to die and it'll be up to Neo who. Yeah. Now, you've got to realize I'm not sure what the Wachowskis had planned, but that actually doesn't happen in this movie no. one of them does not die well this- technically neo dies and comes back i mean if you're looking at the if you're looking at the symbolism of like a christ-like figure i mean you want to talk about christ 
We've already had images of that already. It's not just that, but I know I can't talk about this without talking about Matrix Revolutions, but at the very well, end- Well, let's not talk about it. Well, no, at the very end, he does sacrifice himself yeah. to save everyone, including Morpheus. Maybe they put that into the end of that because they realized, shit, we didn't actually do that in the first one. I mean, that's very possible. Yeah. We did see earlier on that Cypher actually ditches his phone when they leave the place of entrance so they can get- so the agents can get the, the, the tap on their, on their location. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's how they showed up. Yep. Nia has these little deja vu. Yeah. I remember this scene so much. Me too. And I I find it odd the way that Neo reacts to it. He says, oh, I just had some deja vu, you know? Well, he doesn't know anything about that. Yeah, but he says a black cat walked past and then another one just like it. That's not what happened. A black cat meowed, shook itself and walked past and then another black cat meowed, shook himself in the exact same way and walked past. There's no way that would have been a different cat. Well, he doesn't know. He's just, it's a quick glimpse for him. He's like, oh, I just saw that. It happened. Uh, he wasn't studying it like deja us. vu, I'm not sure what what experience you've had with deja vu, but the experience I, w- I have is that something happens and you sort of pause and take mm. yourself out and you start thinking, you're like, I swear I've seen this before. Yeah, and then something else happens. You're like, no, this has definitely happened. I've, done, I've had that sort of deja vu before. Yeah, it's not like you see something, then you see the same thing a second later. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but we find out that they have actually changed something in the Matrix, which is, of course, the brick walls blocking them into the the building. Poor Mouse doesn't stand a chance, even when he pulls out those dual-wielding machine guns that look bigger than heavier than him. They're awesome. It looks amazing. I love that he dies here, though. Yeah. It's great that they're willing to sacrifice these absolute non-factor of a team. Yeah, exactly. Because really, like, let's talk about this. This team is pretty pathetic. It is. Like, you look at the characters, you look at great teams in movies, and you have a lot of really iconic characters in these teams. Like, you've got this big team here, but I mean, really, APOC, Tank, Dozer, Switch, Mouse, like, none of them, none of them have really much personality at all. No. And you don't really care when they die. It's great when they die, but it really doesn't affect you. They are really just there as for fodder. Cypher to be shown as the bad guy. He's willing mm-hmm. to kill these non-factors. Oh, that scene yeah. is fantastic. I mean, the ones you care about are Neo, Trinity, Morpheus, and Cypher to a degree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The others are like, well, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I love the shot of them crawling down the wall, like the actual camera shot of it, how it's black on both sides and it's mm-hmm. just this thin line down the middle. You get that feeling of claustrophobia that they've probably got at that time as well. Mm. It's so tight. Mm. And, of course, Cypher coughs, sneezes. In fairness, the person above him kicks some serious nah, dirt into he him. he is sabotaging them oh, so of hard Of course there. he is. Yeah. But so subtly, though. He doesn't do it until someone actually kicks dirt in his face. Yeah, he timed it perfect. I mean, yeah. yeah it might have looked a little bit dodgy if there was no dust. He's like... <laughs> They're in the wall. Like, God damn it. <laughs> and this is the first time that we see an agent morph into another human. Because mm. we haven't seen that before. And we see the feet. Yeah. And the hands. Yeah. And that just shows you how- Powerful. Oh, yeah. Omnipresent. That's right. They all are. And this is where Morpheus does sacrifice himself because Neo is right in the firing line and he yeah. comes from above yeah. and takes down Agent Smith. Uh, uh, takes down? He takes him down to the ground. And then, and they then get gets destroyed. Yes. I mean, if you think Morpheus is all big and powerful because he took down Neo earlier on, Agent Smith just puts him yeah, down he's, immediately. He's nothing. Yeah, he is a piece of dirt. And Morpheus looks so soft when he's getting his ass kicked. He does. Like, he's like slapping away <laughs> Agent Smith's you know um, why? bits. It's like, come on. Because he doesn't have his cool glasses on anymore. Ah, uh, that'd be it. 
So let's move into Cypher, basically uh, just mowing everyone down here. This is so silly. He gets, so he gets pulls back. out this like, bloody rail gun, whatever it is, shoots Tank and Dozer, and drops a gun right next to Tank. Go and check if he's dead. Come on. Just go and have a quick, like, give him a, give him a boot. Even when he's aiming, when he's got him in the crosshair, I'm like, he's aiming for his shoulder. Yeah, it's really... Like, go left and up a little and you can <laughs> knock his head off. Or get right up close and personal <laughs> and just run a line up him. Or do you think maybe he did that because he didn't want to damage the equipment? Nah, because Not he, really, because nah. he turns around and <laughs> sprays the whole ship. <laughs> But man, does Cypher go full-on creep mode here. Oh, jumping on everyone. And Jump, not everyone. Jumping on Trinity and yeah. touching her face and, oh, you're a beautiful woman. I always liked you. Like, <laughs> they quickly dispatch of APOC and Switch. I think APOC had like one line, which is Trinity. That's it. Is, uh, is that all he said? I love Switch's final line here. Not like this. <laughs> not like this. Honestly, me and Brit say it all the time. <laughs> not like this. Not like this. Is that, is that out of something else as well? I feel like I'm, I'm listening to that with a different accent. I don't know. It I just know be. it from this. Like, I, I know it really, really well. Not like this. It's just so over the top. Not like this. <laughs> and then she, like, like rolls back up. Like, she's just, yeah. that's it. See you later. I do love that, like, half the team are wiped out here. Yeah, because they're not needed for the second half. Mm. You don't need them at all. They're nothing. Mm. Yeah, but of course, Tank wasn't dead. Gets the rail gun onto Cypher, you dumb shit. Like, yeah, and then he's idiot. fine for the rest of the movie. Yeah, he's got had this massive big rail gun go through him. He's like, big electrified. It hit him so hard that yeah. he was unconscious for a long period of time. Yeah. Now he's back to normal. He's all good now. But they decide they're going to pull the plug on Morpheus here, uh, basically to stop him from giving the codes, you know, against his will to the agents. The key, the key to Zion, basically. That's what they're after. Oh, yeah, when Neo and Trinity are back in the real world. Yeah, yeah, Yep. And we get some good talk here about Neo making the choice to go in and save Morpheus. And I do love how Trinity basically stands up to Neo, like, shuts him down, like, how dare you speak to me like this? Mm. Like, I'm in charge. Shut the hell mm-hmm. up. Yeah. I believe you can go to hell. Because <laughs> you're not going anywhere else. Yeah. So, all right, calm down. But Liz spliced him with scenes of Smith talking to Morpheus's... Yeah. Bloody sweaty, unconscious. He's so out of it. Oh, he's a mess. Yeah. He like runs his finger over his bald, wet head. <laughs> <laughs> but you get a lot of great philosophical talk here from Smith. Talks about how um, humans aren't actually mammals. Yeah. Because he says that mammals go into a society and find a good balance, whereas humans just go to a place and multiply. <laughs> there is another organism that does this. A virus. A virus. Can we talk normally? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he basically says that humans are viruses that spread and multiply, yeah. consume everything in its path, and then move on to the next thing, next area, yeah. move into the next place and do the same thing. Absolutely. And then, of course, the agents <laughs> are the cure. And we... We also get Smith basically shush out the other agents, and this is where he would get his like monologue. He takes his earpiece out and he says that he's he's sick of this Mm. place. He he wants out. It's the smell. Yeah, it's the smell. (laughs) I had a mate at school who just used to say that all the time for just for anything, just for any reason. He'd be like, "It's the smell." I still got that stuck in my head. It's it's a very, it's a surprisingly quotable film. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, indeed. (laughs) Great follow-up to your, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, indeed. (laughs) But this is where we get into the the last portion of the film. The last act. 
fantastic shot of them standing in the white yeah. and you have the aisles and rows and rows of, of guns just flying yeah. towards them <laughs> and Trinity takes that slow step forward and like just misses it. Yeah. It's like, oh. She knows. It's, yeah, it's, oh, this is coming up. Yeah, this part here, this lobby scene. Uh, am, I, am I playing it for you? Absolutely. Excellent! Am I playing it for you? Yep. Excellent! Of course. It, like, there was never a question, no, really. There really wasn't. Like, it's that, that music, and then they walk, like, slow motion. You see those big boots of Neo start walking oh, in. Oh, this is so good. And then it's like, um, the guard, like, can you remove any metallic items, you know, keys, watches. <laughs> Just and opens up. Like and then you get guns. that sound effect. Yeah. Like, and the music stops. Yeah. Holy shit. Holy shit. <laughs> Bang. Just gives him a palm. He goes flying. Mm. And then the guns just come out. and They come out The from double everywhere. machine guns. And Neo just starts mowing down all these security guards. I did start to think, though, these people are actually dying. They didn't do anything wrong. They're dying in their little pods as this, as this is happening. Yeah, they are. Yeah. But I mean, they've got to think. They've got to think that anyone that isn't them is an agent. So exactly, exactly. That's their justification for it. And anyone who isn't them is actually a battery for the robots in the real world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you can't be going on like that. And you get that security guard back up, we need back up, and in comes you get the beep, the sound of the beep, yeah, and in she comes and takes him out, and then all the security guards come down, and that's when you get this action scene, this music, yeah. Yeah. just everything about this. You get the gun foo, the gun foo, exactly. The, the flipping while shooting. Yeah. The running up walls. The whole thing is amazing. There's that shot of Trinity like high kicking the guy holding a shotgun in front of him. Yeah, so it, so it goes flips over it to his back and she yeah. fires it into him. Everything done here is practical. There is no CGI in this, in no. this part at all. It's just that, you know, the charges in the pillars and the walls, the blowout chunks mm. of the, 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 the concrete and, you know, wire work, basically. It has the perfect use of slow-mo in just the right places. Yeah. The action is just supercharged here. I mean, I don't think we've seen anything quite like this up to this point in any movie so far. Or since. Yeah. This is one of my favourite action scenes of all time. Oh, for like, sure. This, it is just... It's just so cool. Like, Neo and Trinity are just incredible here. The action's so tense. The music. The music oh. makes it as well. Oh, for sure. It's so good. In fact, do you know how long it took to reset a shot by, you know, putting in the chunks in the pillars again? If they did that wrong, how long it would take to reset the shot? How long? Six hours. Oh. It how many take... times did they have to do that? I don't know, but it took them ten days to film the whole thing. It's a lot of six hours. I reckon. A lot of six hours of doing nothing. <laughs> But when they're finally done and the camera, they've walked off and the camera takes one last look at the building, you see this great shot of one of the pillars, you know, final bit of plaster just falling out the wall. I actually read that this wasn't planned at all. No. This was just coincidental. But I got that shot. It looks so great. Yeah, they it left does. it in. Interestingly, the guns weighed about 100 to 200 grams each. And they did this, obviously, so that they were able to do all these flips and stuff yeah. while still having all these guns attached to them. The only time they actually used weight-accurate guns is when they dropped into the floor and you got that the loud sound yeah. and the... Yeah, it looked very odd if they were dropping 200-gram guns. Yeah. You'd notice. <laughs> it bounces back and forth as it goes down. <laughs> so, they blow up the bottom floor. You get that great little whisper from Neo. There is no spot. As he shoots the wire and goes flying up, get that massive explosion down on the bottom floor. Massive CGI. Oh, yeah, for sure. I did notice when it blows up down the bottom, there's, there's no bodies any left there anymore. All the pillars are in, like intact. Oh, are yeah, they? It was like, <laughs> oh, you could have done a bit there. But 
you hit with that little comedic tone. The agent's just standing there, and the shower comes down on mm. him. Mm. Find them and destroy them. <laughs> That's awesome. And we get more action. This whole thing is action from yeah. now on. On the rooftop. This yeah. is a, this is iconic as well. This it whole is. thing. You get these great shots, like even before the bullet time. Yeah. Even the shot of Trinity throwing the dagger yeah. into that guy's like forehead and he falls backwards. Even the awesome effect of the agent dodging the bullet. Yeah. Like, yeah. It looks amazing. But then you get bullet time. Then you get like Neo. He's finished his gun. He's standing there like, uh, I'm I'm screwed here. Like you see him, he yells, help for Trinity. Trinity, help. Yeah, he doesn't know what to do, so he just does this thing. He just yeah. leans back and... And you get that awesome shot. Like, this is... We've seen it a couple of times already in the, in the movie, but this is the best one. Like, you see bullets rippling past him. It yeah. goes a full 360 around him. Yeah. It is it is one of the most iconic shots you'll ever see in a movie. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. For sure. And it's actually... Have you seen... Have you watched any making ofs of this scene? Yeah, I have. You see, like, they have these cameras lined up, like, up and down in a full 360. They can't see you doing that. I know. But they use a lot of still photography to get the, the effect of... The yeah. full 360, it, it really is incredible. It's funny, I've seen I've seen this in real time. Got to say, not as impressive. No, it looks really weird. <laughs> it, it really does. Like, yeah. he falls back for, like, a second yeah. and then arm, drops. It's like, he, it's like he flails. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, man, you put that in slow motion, it's epic. Yeah. Even the bit after this, he gets clipped in the shoulder and in the leg, I believe. Yeah. Falls down, the agent comes up to kill him, and you hit that awesome kill line. Dodge this. Boom! It sends him flying. That is so awesome. Yeah, you kind of think, though, in the time it took Trinity to say the words, yeah. dodge this, probably could have dodged it. Yeah. He probably could have shot Neo, at least. Yeah. He's like, dodge this. Okay. <laughs> just does it. Oh, where'd he go? And he did. <laughs> and again, this helicopter scene is so mm. great. Mm. It's perfect oh, slow-mo. It's the sound, as- everything, it's fantastic. And he just takes out the agents here, and then you get that heroic music, like, come on, Morpheus, get up, get up. And you hear that, that powerful music as he busts the chains, oh. and he, he stands up, he's like, oh. like hurry up, yeah. Morpheus. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you see him running towards the window, yeah. and you and you get it, again, you get that bull time thing where, where it moves into his leg, and yeah. you see the bullet go through yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And he fumbles, like, oh, holy shit, and he's he not going to make out, it, yeah. yeah. Leaps out and catches him, yeah. and then, you know, Agent Smith shoots out the petrol and the, and the, the helicopter goes haywire yeah there's so there's, much there's so much happening i know it's i know i know it's just one after another yeah. i did think the green screen was a little average here when morpheus is hanging down from the helicopter yeah i noticed that yeah yeah i love the shot of neo standing there on top of the building after he's landed you see the helicopter going down below the building and you see him like whip up that rope and brace it like holy shit this guy is gonna like try and hold this helicopter up <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's just, it's amazing what he's starting to believe he can do. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's, and even like you see Morpheus just looking on, like, yeah, amazed. Oh my God. Is yeah. what is he doing? Like, this is something I've never seen before. And good on Trinity for having the smarts yes. to know to grab that, yeah, that's that, the, that yeah, rope and shoot. That's all it. she can do, really. Yeah. But then you see the helicopter crash into that building and you get that ripple. Yeah. Oh, it yeah. is so good. Yeah. I could watch that like multiple times over and the sound effect it makes as it mm. ripples across mm. and then the glass shatters and it, and it explodes. Mm. Oh, man. Yeah. Just for the, for the last like, what, 
20 minutes. It's yeah. just been some of the best. Yeah. Any, some of the best anything put to film. Yeah. Yeah. And it takes a little breath here. Yes. But only a little one. Yeah. It's time for them to exit the Matrix, but not before we hear that the Sentinels are on their way to destroy the Nebuchadnezzar. And so as they're getting out of the Matrix here at a phone booth down at a train station, you see a homeless man see him. And that triggers Agent Smith. And he, he morphs himself into this homeless man to catch up to them. But seriously, Trinity, can you not save this convo until you get out of the Matrix? Why are you standing there talking about this now? Just come on, get out of the Matrix. Isn't this more important? It's insane. Like, it almost causes him to die. Yeah. He's unreal. You know, she gets her feelings out, so... You do get that like-for-like shot of her putting her hand on the glass. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was good. And then the the top of the phone gets blasted. Yeah. But then, you know, now we get into some more iconic iconic scenes. What do you here. think of this fight after seeing everything else that's happened before it? Does it live up to... Absolutely. You don't th- I think it's a small dip because the, the the last 20 minutes before that was so... Oh, I don't, I don't think incredible. so at all. I don't think so at all. I mean, I'm not saying it's as good as that, mm. but I don't think it's at the level where you're watching and you're like, oh, is that it? No, no I, don't I didn't so say that. I think the way that he stops and he looks and you see the guys in the real world and they're like, what is he doing? Morpheus with that great line. <laughs> He's beginning to believe. It's just like, holy shit, here we go. You get that great Western style shot. Yeah. Like Mexican standoff. The standoff. Like with the paper going through. Yeah, yeah. Like a tumbleweed. Mr. Anderson. You know, you know what's going to happen here. <laughs> In fact, this subway fight scene went about 10 days over schedule. Mm. Eh, yeah. Worth it. Yeah, oh, definitely. <laughs> We do get another bullet time here as they circle around each other, shooting the bullets into the air. Yeah. yeah I did notice the fake pillar punch. Did you see yeah, that? I, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. I thought, oh, that's uh, it. That's yeah, fine. Yeah. That's fine. And then, you know, he gets his Zen on and he starts getting in the upper hand here, uh, but not for very long as Smith takes it back. You get that awesome right. rippling punch yeah. as he pounds him oh, into the wall. Smith destroys yeah. him. Like, really? He gets the upper hand. One part I do always remember from this is when he goes to punch Smith and he blocks it, but he sticks his hand, like his fingers yeah. out and gets in like, as he chokes him. Yeah, it's I almost like that. it's almost like that training um, dojo scene where the fist stops right in front yeah, of his face, just, and it's, <laughs> it gets him in the throat. I, just, I always remember that. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> yes, like how much really is some fingers to the throat gonna do? Like, yeah. I mean, he's not breathing. No. <laughs> <laughs> So we get where they hit onto the tracks and Smith is holding um, Neo there and you get that great line like, Hear that, Mr. Anderson? That is the sound of inevitability. It is the sound of your death. Goodbye, Mr. Anderson. My name is Neo. He jumps up. He finally gets the upper hand. Smith is stuck on the tracks. Neo jumps onto the platform. And the train takes him down. And the train destroys him. And then it stops. It slams on the brakes. Yeah, you think he's dead. It's like, okay, he's done it. Done. All good. No. no. (laughs) You can't kill these people. And that's when he realizes, I should probably run. Yeah. (laughs) He just walks off the train onto the platform again. It's like, all right, I've got to get out of here. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that the Sentinels are coming for the, the ship now, this is- basically a race against time for Neo to get out mm. of the Matrix. And that's what it is now. Like, this whole run away from the agents here is really gripping stuff. It's probably bad luck that he didn't learn any parkour in any of his training, don't you reckon? Probably could have got out a bit easier that way. Who knows, Hendo? Who knows? I love that shot of him running through the house with the grandma and the knife. And oh. bang, the knife goes, I just mean, misses him. That agent turned pretty quickly, <laughs> yeah. just got to say. <laughs> <laughs> they seem to have upgraded their morphing capabilities there. Yeah, their morphiusing capabilities. No. Oh. Okay. It was cut before we even started. <laughs> yeah, stop it. 
and you think he's going to make it. You know, the music swells. He's heading for the room with the phone. Mm. Oh. And there's Smith. And you don't even see him shoot the gun. You, you just, just hear the sound. You hear the muffled boom. You see the shell fly up. Yeah. And you just see Neo, like, with blood on his hands. It's, You're like, oh, my God. It's such a surprise. Yeah. Like, and they don't just shoot him. He oh. empties his he clip into him while he's, while he's standing on the wall and he's bleeding out. And you see Neo in the real world just, like, just, yeah, having, just a, taking having a fit. And then flatline. Yep. Boom. Dead. But they still don't fire up the EMP. Like, surely if you're looking at Neo here, who's flatlined and dead, there's no one who's in the Matrix to save him. Surely you'd think at this point, maybe save the ship now. No. Maybe we save the rest of our lives. No, because Trinity knows Tr- he's the Trinity one. Trinity needs a speech. Trinity knows that he is the one. <laughs> she tells him, you know. You can't be dead because the Oracle told me I would fall in love with the one. And I love you. I love you. <laughs> that was so touching, Pete. Thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, she kisses him and... Gives him the kiss of life. And he wakes up. Yes. Yeah. And now he knows he is the one true being. Like, the way he sees everything now is, oh, is, the, is the code. That, that shot of him looking up and you just get the, the yeah. code. He acts like it's a bloody great. Buddhist monkey. Like, he, yeah. they shoot the bullets. He's like, no. And he just uh. puts his hand up. It's just so calm. Like, he's yeah. high. Uh. And everything, and all the bullets stop. Exactly what Morpheus said he'd do. Yep. He wouldn't even need to dodge him anymore. Yeah. I love how he picks the bullet out of the air. Like, he's fascinated at what <laughs> he's doing. He's like, whoa. Like, he's, yeah, he's, exactly. Like, whoa. Like, he's still in absolute shock. And, uh. and he sees Smith is, like, desperate. As yeah. like he runs at him and he ch- he's and then him. Neo turns on his side and just like yeah. fights him one handed. I, w- I wouldn't like, be surprised. Just off. Wouldn't be surprised if it cut to him and he's like having a coffee and he's <laughs> sitting down watching the TV. Reading the paper. Yeah. All the while, Sentinels are tearing the yeah. ship apart. It's like hurry up! Like come on! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you see the look of fear on Smith's face as well, mm. and when he like boots him back and he realizes he can't, mm. he can't beat him now. And then he jumps inside him. Yep. Splits him in pieces. You yeah. see that tiny little piece of Agent Mouth. Smith go past him yep. as he goes past. Yeah. And I love how when he does his Zen deep breath, the whole the room expands. Yeah. Eye and yeah, and then he just opens his eyes, and the other agents just run. Let's go. Let's run away. Do it. Mm. And that's when they finally. Then she yells at him like, "Hurry up! <laughs> Get to the phone!" And he reacts like he can hear that. Yeah. Really weird. Well, he's he's all. Nah, one it never now. comes back in the sequels. Yeah. <sighs> but they, did you yeah. know? Did you know that room was actually the room that Trinity was in at the start of the movie? Oh, was it? No, yeah. I didn't know that. It was. You know, but he gets out in time. A kiss. Kiss. Happy days. Now we get this amazing epilogue. Go for it, Dean. So we see Neo in the phone booth. And he's talking to someone. Mm-hmm. And you don't really know who he's talking to. No. At first, I used to think he was talking to, um, like, future candidates That's to get out. That's what I thought. But when you actually listen to what he's saying, it's just like, no, he's talking it's to- It's a threat, isn't it? Yeah. 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 He's yeah. talking to a machine. Like, he's talking to the machines, yeah. I should say. He's saying he's going to change everything. He gets rage against the machine. Oh, it's so great. And, and he, he flies. flies. He's, he's upgraded. That never comes back either. Well, it's the end of the film. Why does it need to? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. Any last words? All right, Dean, what's your final thoughts on The Matrix? The Matrix is a truly original and fascinating film. Visually, you cannot say enough to describe how, just how we'd never seen anything like this before. Mm. Nothing even close. This opened up to us this whole new world, this ability to have- A whole new world. This ability to have superheroes in a movie that's not a superhero film. 
you know, that you have these characters. They made Kung Fu, like, so cool. I'm not sure it ever wasn't, but they really brought Kung Fu from Hong Kong to an American audience in a massive, massive way. Most of the casting is spot on. I do see a few complaints about Keanu Reeves and his maybe lack of charisma. But honestly, I've, I mean, I've grown up watching this. I would have seen this at least 30 times. I have no issue with Keanu Reeves in this film. For me, he is Neo. This is easily his best role. Is he a fantastic actor? No, he's not. But he does the job here. He plays the character really well. The directing is on point. You can see what the Wachowski siblings were able to do and have their, their vision. Like I've watched a lot of documentaries on this, not in particular for this, um, for this podcast, but for myself. And I can tell you right now, there's not a lot of movies I've ever watched behind the scenes documentaries of like I have in this film. I bought the box set. I watched all the animatrix stuff. Like I'd never had done anything like this before with a meal, with a meal. With a film, I loved this movie so much, and 19 years later, it has not lost any impact at all for me. It is one of my all-time favourite films, and without a doubt, gets a... Amazing. Amazing. Outstanding. From me. What about you, Ando? I mean, obviously, this movie is incredible. Such an ingenious and innovative film when it was made. It has so many complex and detailed philosophical ideas about technology and fate, as well as power and the notion of a higher being and worship. It's a great sci-fi film that involves apocalyptic futures and the use of technology and how, if we're not careful, it could ultimately consume and destroy us. It also plays on our beliefs a bit too, like, is our world real? Are we in a dream fantasy world? Who knows? Like, just how far does our universe expand exactly? It's also infinite and a complex discussion we could have if we really wanted to go down that rabbit hole. But aside from all these great topics and themes it presents to us, it is tightly wrapped up in this amazing action film that gives us, again, these innovative techniques like bullet time and define the laws of physics mixed with classic martial arts and gunplay. It's great. It's one of those rare, smart action films out there that you can not only enjoy on just an action level, but also on a broader philosophical level. Acting standouts for me were Lawrence Fishburne as Morpheus and, of course, Hugo Weaving as the menacing Agent Smith. This film stands on its own as a classic of modern day cinema for me. The sequels are another beast altogether, but as a singular film, I can't give this anything else but... Amazing. Outstanding. Very good. I was the best because the crowd loved me. Right, Dean, where does this sit on your rankings? Yeah, for me, I've got to start by looking, obviously, at the five-star movies on my list, and that narrows it down to six. So it puts it at seventh to start. I mean, let's just go through these pretty quickly. It's better than Terminator, Die Hard, Saving Private Ryan. Definitely better than Donnie Darko. And that's where it's going to stop. I'm going to put it at number three for me behind La La Land at two. And Once Upon a Time in America, still my number one. Okay, that's pretty high. Where does this sit for you? All right, well, we'll do the same here. Let's start at my number nine spot and go through the list of the amazing films. <clears throat> Uh, it's better than The Terminator. It's better than The Prestige. It's better than Your Name. It's better than The Wizard of Oz. It's better than La La Land. It's better than Toy Story. So now we're at the number four spot. Is it better than Die Hard? Yes, on every level. Like, <laughs> better action film, better film in general. Yep. Is it better than No Country for Old Men? Yes, it is. Yes. Here we go. All right. So do we have a new we number have a, one? Do we have, a con- we have a contender, obviously. Is it better than Saving Private Ryan? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. This is my new number one. Nice. Yeah, the Matrix is the best film on this list so far. Very good. All right. 
Hey everyone, I'm Vince. And I'm Emily, and we are hosts of Piping Hot Tea. Piping Hot Tea is a comedy podcast where we discuss anything and everything. You will not find another podcast like us. We bring you fresh, new, off-the-wall topics that are relatable and fun. You can listen to our podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter for episode updates, debates, and so much more. If you want to connect with us, use the hashtag Piping Hot Podcast. You may hear us fight sometimes, because we pretty much fight in every episode. Seriously? Did you have to bring that up in the promo? What? Honestly. Did you... Okay, well, you might as well just end it. Okay. Epic. Fantastic. Spectacular. One of the best. Super. The. All words that have been said on I Am Geek. Do you want to hear more words? Then check us out at IamGeekShow.com. Or I Am Geek, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, this is Ryan. I'm Katrin. And I'm Chris. We are I Am Geek, the show for the geek in all of us. If it's geek, we cover it. Plus exclusive interviews with the creators that make it happen. So check us out at IamGeekShow.com or I Am Geek, wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, let's get to our... We may still have mail. Mail, mail, mail. Here it is. And this could be it. Oh. All right, we've got a fair few reviews came in to us from you, the listeners out there. Let's start on our Facebook page. we got one here from Duty from the Check and Not Nerd podcast. It's another great Aussie podcast out there you should go check out. A must-watch turn-of-the-century action film that literally has you repeating the line from the film. Whoa. Whoa. From Julio at the Contrarians, a game-changer back in the day. And then we all kind of got irritated by everything that followed, didn't we? Not just the disappointing sequels, but also the myriad of Matrix rip-offs and parodies. But man, when it first came out, mind-blowing. So much fun, so cool, so out there. I haven't revisited it in a while, but I know last time I did, maybe 10 years ago, it still worked like gangbusters. The scene where Neo achieves his destiny and gains superpowers still made me want to pump my fist in the air. Definitely might. Excellent! And the ending still felt like it opened the door to a million possibilities, even though by then I knew it was a door better left unexplored. It's not perfect, some of the action sequences rung a bit too long, and can you imagine how cool it would be if Neo was played by a stronger, more charismatic actor? Keanu is fine, but the movie could do better. It's a great movie nevertheless, just one that's been hurt by its legacy, in my opinion. Thank you, Julio. Yes, thank you, Julio. We've got one here as well from our recent patron, Chris. This film is rad, and after nearly two decades from its release, it still packs a punch. The world building and mythology is really amazing. It's just too bad that the sequels had to turn out the way they did. If I have any complaints, it would be that Keanu Reeves never quite felt right as Neo to me, but the rest of the cast makes up for what he's lacking. Also, there's just too much leather going on in this film. The action scenes still deliver, and Hugo Weaving is truly menacing as Agent Smith, a true game-changer in the world of cinema. Thank you very much for that, Chris. Thanks, Chris. All right, on our Twitter page from Movie Geek and Proud, every time I think I've experienced deja vu, I think I am in the Matrix. This film makes you look at the world a bit different no matter what the cinematography and action in this film is breathtaking and they made wearing black cool again. When was it ever not cool? I guess in like psychedelic 60s and shit. Probably. One here from the St. Paul film cast. I was in college when it premiered and I remember one day in art class with the instructor, we sat and talked about this movie for two hours. Nobody did any work. That's what kind of impact it had. But thank you very much for that, Nick. Thanks, Nick. From Mike at the Mike, Mike and Oscar podcast, one of the first times I realized as a teenage moviegoer that big budgets wouldn't always equal surefire hits. 
Less so for The Matrix than their sequels, but that's what I thought of at first. Is that a negative review? It sounds a bit negative. Mike, word us up on Twitter. Tell us your real thoughts. Do you like this movie? (laughs) And from Tonic Mole, The Matrix ushered in the modern era of action movies. Despite having to suffer through a decade of bad bullet time, the comic book and sci-fi movies of today wouldn't exist without The Matrix. So thank you very much for all those reviews, but we've still got... I'm a massive fan of this movie, but probably not more than anyone else. Still holds up on a rewatch, although I've probably rewatched this film over and over. It was huge when it came out. I guess it was the Star Wars of its time. What was most what about the Star Wars that came out the same year? That was the Star Wars of its time. I guess these really are the days of our lives. Oh. What was most striking were the special effects and combination of martial arts with gunplay in a sci-fi setting. Can we call this tech noir? I think we can. No, I don't think so. Is it noir? I don't think it's noir. Nah, you're wrong, Shane. (laughs) This film is a bit slow to begin with and will probably take a first-time viewer a little to figure out what's going on. I really like the concept. Sort of a more serious action-violence version of The Truman Show. The world is the Matrix and The Matrix is not real. Pretty inventive. The film also benefits from great, memorable characters supported by an all-star cast. Neo, Agent Smith, Morpheus and Trinity are iconic film characters. The characters alone would make this an excellent film already, but combine them with such a kick-ass concept and just phenomenal action set pieces and you're left with a cinematic masterpiece. Although the film is great as a whole, the last third is simply outstanding. So much effortless suspense and visually mind-bending moments, so it gets better as it goes along. All in all, The Matrix deserves its place in the IMDb Top 250 and in my own personal Top 100 films. Wow. Thank you very much, Shane. Very high praise from you, Shane. Yes, yes. Remember, guys, if you'd like to give us your reviews for any of the films we break down or review along the way here, you've just heard all the places. Email at imdbjourney at gmail.com, letterbox.com slash imdbjourney, facebook.com slash imdbjourney, twitter.com slash imdbjourney. Just imdbjourney anything out there and you've probably found us. All right, why don't we get into last week's Twitter poll result on our Pod v Pod draft, where it was Daniel versus Dean in a draft of best films on the IMDb Bottom 100 list. And just to recap on our teams, I had Batman and Robin, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, Superman 4, The Quest for Peace, Spice World the Movie, and Super Mario Brothers. And I had The Room, Fifty Shades of Grey, Kazam, Street Fighter, and The Cat in the Hat. And we got a couple of comments from you, the listeners. From We Watched a Thing, this was tough but it's Team Dean today. From Brendan Cassidy at the In Session Film Podcast, Dean's list tore me apart, so that gets my vote. (laughs) From the Cinematically Correct Podcast, I had to vote Dean as he really has those movies that they are so bad, they are funny. From Movie Geek and Proud, no explanation needed, it's just a gif of Spice World. (laughs) From Mac the Ripper, I have a soft spot for Super Mario Brothers. Daniel gets my vote. From movie reviews in 20 Qs, I was convinced it was going to be whoever picked the room guaranteed my vote. But 50 shades, I mean, (laughs) come on. I think that was a vote for me. From the Contrarians podcast, I'm one of those people who doesn't really find the room that amusing. So the only movie in Dean's list I'd happily watch more than once is Street Fighter. Daniel's list, on the other hand, is all terrible goodness. Yeah, I think you got their vote there. I think so too. Sidekick Showdown said, honestly, Super Mario Brothers is enough to win the day here. Sean Porritt said, oh man, sorry Team Dean. Team Daniel has Spice World, which automatically gets my vote. Plus Batman and Robin. Mario Brothers and Mortal Kombat Annihilation are deliciously bad in their own horribly great way. Good picks. 
Thank you, Sean. From the Boot Podcast, the cat in the hat is funny and I stand by it. From the False Starts Podcast, I mean, the joy value of the room would usually win, but you've got 50 shades in the cat in the hat. You're shooting yourself in the foot. Team Daniel. From our patron, Ben, Team Dean takes it for me due to how hilarious I find the cat in the hat and how iconic the room is. A mad silencer said Mortal Kombat and Mario Brothers. Enough said. The Just So You Know podcast said, Cool party. Everybody chill. Arnold's Mr. Freeze is hilarious, even if Batman's suit has nipples. Plus, Super Mario Brothers is so awesomely bad, it's good. From Melissa at the Brook Reading podcast, Oh, they're both so terrible, but I went with Daniel. In all good conscience, I couldn't vote for Fifty Shades. But let's take a look at the results, Dean. 101 votes. 52%. That is the closest we've had to a, a victory. Draw. A draw. To a victory. <laughs> you idiot. It is the closest we've had to a draw, though. It is. But who won this one? It was you. That's right. It was me. Just. Just. Just by, what, one or two votes. It's crazy. It is. So, so I have a movie to give you. And I've just heard recently that the new director for the next Bond film was actually going to be Kari Fukunaga. And so on the theme of that, I'm going to give you one of his films from, I believe it's 2016, maybe? It's Beast of No Nation. Oh, okay. Okay, it should be interesting. I haven't seen that one. So, yeah, look forward to it. Cool. All right, let's get to our... That's my question! The question, jerk! Where we asked you guys, what is the best movie of 1999? And let's have a look at a couple of responses here. The VCR kid said so many movies that meant a lot to me, but the one I'd most hype about rewatching right now was Galaxy Quest. Interesting. Yeah. I actually have never seen it. I haven't seen it either. Fair enough. From Cats Michael, South Park. Bigger, longer, and uncut. Nice, nice. From the cinema, guys, obviously it's The Phantom Menace. This movie forever changed the course of a galaxy far, far away. From Drunk at the Movies, very tough call. This is the year we both graduated high school. At the time, I'd probably say Blair Witch. Saw it multiple times at the theatre. Now, with 19 years of age, I'd say Fight Club, which is still a favourite from back then too. Thanks, Dustin. Delvin Cox said The Matrix was a game changer. The sequel's not so much. From the FYFC studios, Blair Witch Project brought found footage to the masses and changed the way horror movies are marketed. Whining about crime, said American Beauty, as did And The Runner Up Is podcast. From Quipster Film Review podcast, Magnolia. Gidget Von LaRue said The Green Mile and Office Space. From Mark James, he goes with Dogma. Cinema said Being John Malkovich with The Matrix as a runner-up. Finally, someone says The Sixth Sense. Thanks, Cody Derricks. The In Session Film Podcast and the Film Inquiry Podcast both went being John Malkovich. Matt Neglier at the Next Best Picture Podcast has gone with American Beauty. The Soul Forge Podcast went with Fight Club. The Scoundrel of the Scream have gone so many, but Magnolia is a definite standout. Just on that vein, from Francesco, no contest, it's Magnolia for me. It's one of the films that made me see what's possible with films, and it keeps getting better every time I see it. Eyes Wide Shut, as my favourite Kubrick movie, deserves a mention too. Jerry and Cal said, I like comedy, so Austin Powers. A podcast about something said, wow, what a great year for movies. Fight Club, The Matrix, Toy Story 2, Galaxy Quest, 10 Things I Hate About You, and it just keeps going. I think my favourite is 10 Things I Hate About You. I could watch this every day and not get tired of it. The best is probably The Matrix, though. Yeah, thank you very much for your replies there, and to everyone else who put in a reply here. But it's time to get into our top five of 1999. Right, Dean, what's your number five? My number five is The Talented Mr. Ripley. Okay, fair enough. Do you like that film? I do. It's not in my top ten, though. Yeah. No, I, I really, really like it. Cool. Well, my number five is Magnolia. Fair enough. My number four is Magnolia. Thank you, though. Classic film. Very classic film. Well, my number four is The Green Mile. Ah. Lovely film. Loved it. Another fine film. Yes. 
No, it is good. Not as good as my number three, though, and this is where it just gets ridiculous. The Sixth Sense. Fair enough, fair to enough. Have, to have The Sixth Sense as number three in a year is insane. Okay. Bloody. Are you not a Sixth Sense fan? I am a Sixth Sense fan. It's not in my top five, though. What? Yep. Not in my top five. Really? Yeah. How come? Uh, I've seen it once. Way back in the day. Yeah. Wow. What is your number three? My number three is American Beauty. Nice. Yeah. Classic. Love that film. So yeah. much. Number two for me is The Matrix. Ah, that's my number two as well. And number one. I'm I think sh- it's the same. I'm sure it's the same. It's Fight Club. Fight Club. Yeah. Fight Club. Best film in 1999. For sure. It really is. So for next week's question, we're going to ask you, what is the worst film of 2018 that you've seen? And that will be our top five that we give next week. So let's move ahead to our next matches in our best director tournament. We'll find out the last four directors that are going to head into our final eight. All right, let's take a look at the matches here. We have Christopher Nolan against James Cameron. We've got Stanley Kubrick taking on Peter Jackson. Next one is Steven Spielberg against Ridley Scott. And finally, Martin Scorsese versus David Fincher. Yeah, a couple of good matches there. Let's see how they turn out after everyone's voted for them. Yeah, should be good. So, what's next? All right, Dean, it's time to find out what movie we're watching next week. But it is a patron-requested movie, so that is from our new patron, Chris, and he has selected for us Kill Bill Volume 1. Yes, a very, very good choice, Chris. Thank you very much. Yes, we really appreciate this one. This is going to be a really good conversation, if I do say so myself. It'll be a killer of a conversation. We have not used that in a very long time. (laughs) Well deserved. Well, I try. All right, so that's going to do it for this week's podcast, everyone. We'll have some new guests on next week for our Pod V Pod 7, and we'll be talking about what else we've been watching for the last fortnight. Dan, have you got anything you're going to be mentioning already? Yeah, I've watched the two films already that you've given me, A Silent Voice and Bone Tomahawk. What about you? Uh, Yeah, I have watched one of the films you gave me. I watched King of Comedy, and I've watched a couple of other 2018 films, a couple of documentaries, actually. I watched Three Identical Strangers and Minding the Gap, and yeah, I watched Hotel Transylvania 3 for the kids, so got a couple already. A couple more this week. Hoping to see Venom this week, so hopefully we have a review for that next week as well. Okay, that sounds good. So thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode. We will see you next week for our Pod V Pod 7. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.